Hi there, it's episode 150, and today we're going to be talking about childcare. I get endless questions about having an au pair and what the experience has been like for us. So I'm going to share more about that today and more about my thoughts on other various types of childcare arrangements. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there. Thank you for tuning in. I'm excited about today's topic. This isn't something I've ever spoken about before on the podcast. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you'll know that I was mostly a stay-at-home mom until this past summer when I signed a contract to start writing a book. At that point, I knew that I had a huge project ahead of me. So we decided to bring on an au pair. An au pair is a one-year arrangement. It's sort of like a mix between a nanny and a foreign exchange student. Since our au pair has arrived, and I've put pictures of her on Instagram with her permission, of course, I've gotten incessant questions from Instagram followers asking about the experience and about the au pair program. So I want to share more about that today with you. But I also want to give you my thoughts on a variety of other types of childcare options because I did consider them all. And I think there are important things to keep in mind depending on what type of child you have, what age your children are, and what sort of circumstances you're looking for. Before we get into today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts isn't just a mail order contact company. It's incredibly convenient. So the Simple Contacts app has a vision test built into it. It takes less than five minutes. So rather than having to make a yearly appointment to go to the optometrist to get your eyes examined, you can simply renew your contact lens prescription on the app. The vision test is only $20 and you can do it from the comfort of your own home. And the prices for the contact lenses are unbeatable. So I know that you probably have a million things that are demanding your time and getting a babysitter or getting out of work to get to a contact lens appointment isn't always easy. So I encourage you to give Simple Contacts a try. If you go to simplecontacts.com forward slash simple 20 and use the code simple 20 at checkout, you'll get $20 off. Again, that's simplecontacts.com forward slash simple 20 and use the code simple 20 at checkout and you'll get $20 off. Keep in mind, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam and simple contacts only test your current prescription to help you see 2020 and renew that prescription. They don't write completely new prescriptions or examine eye health. All right, on to this week's listener spotlight. This week's message comes from Regan, who is a former participant of the Mental Unload, which we are launching tomorrow on Thursday, March 14th. So Regan wrote, Thank you, Danae. Participating in the Simple Family's Mental Unload was the highlight of my month. Having never taken an online course like this, I wasn't sure what to expect or if it would be useful to me. Now I'm ending the month feeling much lighter than when I started. You've helped me own in on the key issues that were weighing me down and the assignments, which only required a short commitment of time, resulted in concrete steps that I'm taking to reduce my mental load. Thank you. Regan, thank you for participating and thank you for your words. So we get started tomorrow on Thursday, March 14th. If you've been wanting to get a head start on your self-care and you're not sure where to start, this is it. As parents, we desperately want to help our kids cope with the big feelings. And sometimes we need tools to handle the big feelings ourselves. And after leading more than a thousand parents through this process, I can tell you that it works. I'm going to teach you a simple four-step approach. And I guarantee after you finish it, you're going to end up feeling lighter. And if you don't, I'll give you your money back and you can invest it elsewhere. 
Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash unload to register and grab your space. Speaking of the mental load, finding childcare for our kids can be a huge piece of that. For the first four, four and a half years of parenthood, I was mostly home with my kids. They went to Montessori school for two and a half, three hours in the morning. But other than that, I was with them. I was trying to build a business, trying to exercise, trying to take care of the house, trying to do all the things. And mostly I was just feeling burnout. I was definitely not my best self, especially with a huge cross-country move in the mix. So about nine months ago, I signed a book deal and I knew I had this huge project ahead of me, several months of writing and then several months of promoting and marketing the book. I knew I was going to need extra help. And I was also feeling a pull away from being a full-time stay-at-home mom. In the first few years, I was perfectly content being home with my kids all the time. But my feelings changed as they got older and I knew that I wanted to pursue other things and I needed more time to do that. It was just a matter of finding that time. For me, investing in childcare has not only been an investment in my career because I'm able to do and accomplish so much more, but it's also been an investment in my mental health. I feel so much more calm. I am more present. I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. And I like myself a heck of a lot more now that I have more help. And personally, I think it's incredibly important to admit this publicly. And I didn't realize the need for this until I first posted a picture of our pair last summer after she arrived. I pretty quickly had someone message me on Instagram and say, oh, wow, you're so open about the fact that you have help. That's surprising. My first thought was to get a little bit defensive because this was still new to me too. And I went to this thought of, oh, no, are people going to look down on me for having help and for having support? So it took some reflection for me to own up to the fact that No, absolutely not. I want people to respect me and I want to be a role model for other mothers. I want to inspire other mothers to seek out the support and seek out the help to be the best people that they can be. So please don't ever have the perception that I am running some sort of do-it-all, be-it-all gig over here where my kids are playing independently perfectly for hours at a time so I can get work done. That's just not realistic and that doesn't happen especially when it comes to young kids. And I'm convinced if anyone else is putting on that facade, that it's just that. It's a facade. It's a facade that's hiding the fact that their kids just watch endless amounts of screen time each day to keep them quiet. But I digress. Maybe there are, in fact, magical small children out there who play for hours at a time independently without interrupting their parents' work. I'm not sure if those children exist, but they certainly aren't my children. So that brings me to childcare. So I'm going to run down a few of the most common options for child care and give some of the pros and cons of them. So the first is daycare. The second is family-based home daycare. The third is family care. The fourth is a nanny. Fifth is a nanny share. And the sixth is an au pair. And I'll explore more about that. So let's start with probably one of the most common, which is daycare. Now, in the first years of life, I'm a strong believer that kids should be in a home, preferably their own home. Well, of course, that's not always possible. And I'm definitely not suggesting that every woman should be a stay-at-home mom because that definitely does not suit many women or even most women. And sometimes daycare is an ideal option. So daycare can be great for flexibility. It can be great for monitoring. It's really easy to know what's going on there. Often you have little video cameras so you can spot your children. You'll get possibly photos and videos and that sort of thing throughout the day. 
One of my big reservations about daycare is the varied caregivers. Depending on the daycare facility, there may be high turnover of staff. And in the early years, it's really important for kids to have familiar faces, that they can show up every day and know exactly who they're going to see. These early years are a prime time for attachment, and the relationships should be intimate and they should be nurturing. So if you're looking for a daycare facility, one of the things I would say to look for first and foremost is a low turnover rate, knowing that your children are going to be seeing the same faces day in and day out. I'd also be a big fan of a place that feels like a home, that's cozy, that replicates the house that you live in. That means leaning more towards a cozy daycare rather than an institutionalized daycare that looks more like a school. Now, speaking of schools, a lot of daycare centers have started renaming themselves to have school or academy in their name in order to attract more clientele. I just received a Facebook ad recently about a local school that was called something like the Child Care Center, and now it has a new name. It's called the Child Care Academy. Names like this can lure in parents who are looking for the best for their kids, who have the best of intentions, and want their kids to get a head start early on academics. But just be aware that young children don't need to go to school. They need loving and nurturing care. They need to play. So when you're looking around at these facilities, make sure that that's what you see. Love, nurturing, play, not worksheets and school stuff. I would probably run away from a daycare that tried to sell me on any sort of academic bonuses or any sort of curriculum for infants and young toddlers. Now, there are some daycares that incorporate preschools within them, and that's a little bit of a different story. I'm talking more about infants and two-year-olds, young three-year-olds, that sort of thing. So remember, daycare can be fine. I just prefer it to be something where the kids are seeing the same faces. They're in a cozy home-like atmosphere. It should be somewhere that you can trust so much that you don't need to pop in on the video camera every 10 minutes. So moving on to a home-based daycare, I actually think these can be fabulous. They make a lot of people nervous though. If you have a young infant, a six-week-old, a 12-week-old, and you're looking for a stable option that is very cost-effective, if you can find the right home daycare option, it could be an incredible arrangement. I love the idea of a home daycare center because it can provide that consistent caregiver every day, and it can also give kids some early socialization as well. So I would consider this to be somewhat of a blend of the benefits of a daycare center and a nanny mixed together. So next up is family-based care. So children staying with a grandparent or an aunt and uncle, whoever it might be. This can also be a really lovely option if it fits your family. There is some research that shows that kids tend to have more behavior problems in the early years when they have multiple caregiver arrangements. So that's if they're going to Nana's house on Monday and Grandma's house on Tuesday and Auntie's house on Wednesday and home on Thursday and a daycare center on Friday. So if you're going to do family-based care, I would also try to keep it very consistent and nurturing as well. In the early years, kids don't really have any sense of time and they can't understand a schedule. So having their days look similar can provide them some consistency and some structure that they crave. That's not to say that you can't make slight variations, of course. But generally speaking, fewer options are better. Now, one of the challenges with family care is that sometimes disagreements can arise in how the family member is taking care of the child. 
So if you're going to go this route, make sure that you're keeping an open line of communication with the caregiver and yourself. The last thing that you want is some sort of disagreement or dispute to ruin this relationship. So the next option would be a nanny. And I think a nanny is a great fit for a lot of families. It takes the hustle out of the mornings because usually the nanny comes to your house. So you're not shuffling around getting your kid ready to go in the morning when you're on your way to work. It also allows your child to take naps at home and to spend good quality time in the home environment, which I'm a huge advocate for. The hardest part about nannies is they're often oppressively expensive. I know in our area, nannies are upwards of $50,000 a year. So if you can find a good nanny and it's in your budget, then I think it can be a wonderful arrangement, especially if the nanny is able to drive and to get your kids out to go to the library for story time and that sort of thing. An alternative to that would be a nanny share. Now, this can be a really lovely arrangement if it works out as well. A nanny share is when you have one nanny and she takes care of a couple of different kids from different families. So you might take turns rotating the nanny between houses. So that means you have two or three families that share the expense of a single nanny. This is great because your kids get to stay in a home environment, even if it's not their own home. And they get to see the same caregiver over and over and the bonus is that it's much more cost effective. I would say the biggest con of this is the reliability. If your nanny decides to leave or if one of the families involved start to leave, it can be more work to keep up and running. The last option is the route that we went, which is an au pair. So I didn't know anything about au pairs. I thought it was just some fancy sounding French word before we moved to New York. And here in New York, a lot of families have au pairs. So I started talking to some of my new friends and learning a little bit more about it, and it turned out to be an excellent arrangement for us. The au pair program is actually run through the U.S. government, so there are certain regulations on how much you pay them, how many hours a week they can work, and what sort of work they can do. An au pair is a blend between an exchange student and a nanny, so when they come, they do have to take some classes. They have to get six credit hours of college coursework. Some of them are either high school graduates or college graduates. Generally speaking, they are mostly young women, sometimes young men, between the ages of 18 and 26. The cost for the program is standardized as well. No matter where you live in the U.S., you pay the same thing. Most of the agencies that you contract with will give you a rough estimate of about $19,000 a year, and that includes the money that you pay to the agency to make the arrangements and the money that you pay directly to the au pair. And on top of that, you have to provide room and board because they live with you. So you have to have at least an extra bedroom. So in our house, we gave up the guest space, which was the guest bedroom and my office. So I've since had to move my office into our master bedroom. And whenever we have guests, we put them in my son's room and he sleeps with us. For anyone interested in learning more, I'm going to put the link to Cultural Care, which is the agency that we use. And there's also a coupon that you can register for free if you're actually interested in getting on and browsing and learning more about this process. So choosing an au pair can be complicated. And the reality is it feels like you're online dating an early 20-something-year-old woman. You go online, they all have pictures and videos and profiles where they talk about themselves and their experience and their families and where they're from. And then you can request to make contact with them and they can either accept you or they can deny you. And as a family, you also have a profile where you post pictures of the space that your au pair will be living in, pictures of your family doing some things together, talking about what your expectations are, if you have a curfew, if they're going to be sharing a car with you, any sort of important things that they need to know to come and spend a year with your family. 
the agency that we work with, Cultural Care, mostly brings au pairs from either different parts of Europe or South America and Central America, primarily Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, and Colombia, as far as the Central and South American, and then various parts of Europe. There's a few options from Thailand as well, but that's not quite as common. So our current au pair came to us from Poland, and she was a high school graduate. She was just 19 when she arrived. So when I was going through online dating, more or less, the au pairs, I really had no idea what I was looking for. But what I knew was that I didn't want any au pairs that had pictures of themselves in their bathing suits, because that was really common and shocking that they would post pictures of themselves in bikinis for their essentially a job application. Um, So that was an immediate cross out if I saw an au pair in a bathing suit. That just felt inappropriate to me. And I felt like if they're going to be exercising good judgment in my home and with my family and with my kids, then they should probably know a little bit better than posting bikini pictures on a job application. But that's just my own opinion. The next thing I ruled out was any au pairs making kissy faces at the camera or taking modeling shots. Because again, this is a job application. It's not an online dating website. And for me, it just felt like I wanted someone that was going to take it seriously and was going to be somewhat professional because I know young women have the potential to be professional. So for the first time around, I interviewed several different young women and I mostly followed my gut feelings on it. And we ended up choosing our au pair after a couple of different Skype video interviews. I knew I was looking for someone that had good energy and was a little bit bubbly, but wasn't too much and over the top and was going to kind of drive me crazy, if you know what I mean. And I was also looking for someone that demonstrated organization and responsibility. And her profile was very well organized, very well put together. Her video was done with care. You could tell she had planned it out. And she also had experience with kids the same age as ours. So I have to say it's been an excellent match. I love the flexibility. I don't work a typical 40-hour week, so having her available to help whenever I really need help is great. If I have an event that I need to go to in the city in the evening, she can be there. If my husband and I want to take a date night, she can be there. Last week, we took her on a family trip with us, and she helped out with the kids on the plane for a couple hours. As a part of the contract, you have 45 hours to use in any way, shape, or form every seven days. And I get a lot of questions about meals. So yes, she eats lunch usually every day with my kids and dinner with me and the kids. My husband usually gets home later in the evening. So he's usually not there for dinner. And then she does breakfast on her own. But we do provide all the food. And actually, we've signed on to bring our next au pair starting this summer. And she's coming from Colombia. And I'm excited about that. But she's a vegetarian. And we are far from vegetarians in our house. So when I was interviewing her, I had a lot of questions about what her expectations were regarding food. If she was expecting me to be cooking separate vegetarian meals and that sort of thing. So kind of a funny story. I, full disclaimer here, have a really dry and sarcastic sense of humor. And it is important to me that someone living in my house can understand my sense of humor and not get offended by me. Because it really is important for me to be able to feel like I can be myself in my own house, right? Okay, so when I was interviewing this new au pair, I was asking her questions about being a vegetarian and sort of what type of vegetarian she is. Does she eat fish? Is she okay with chicken broth? All the typical questions that an ignorant meat eater asks a vegetarian, right? So she assured me that she's absolutely a vegetarian, no fish, no chicken broth, none of the likes. So I asked her, I said, are you okay with touching meat? 
I was concerned with her not being able to help to prepare dinner if I ever needed her to do that or to help make the kids ham sandwiches for lunch, that sort of thing. So when I asked her the question, how do you feel about touching meat? She misheard me and thought I said, how do you feel about touching me? And I didn't know at first, but she got really uncomfortable and was like, um, well, I'm okay with hugs. And at that point, I realized that she thought I asked her, how do you feel about touching me? Which is, of course, a really awkward question. And we were on a Skype video interview and I like lost it. I was laughing so hard. Remember, I had this really sarcastic, dry sense of humor. I had to hide my face behind my coffee mug. For whatever reason, I thought this was so, so funny and I just couldn't control myself. So after this call, I really, really liked this girl and I really wanted her to say yes. So I decided, you know, like this is a test. If she has a good sense of humor and she can laugh about this too, then she's a good fit for us. And if she thinks I'm terribly rude for laughing at her English, then she's probably not a good fit for us. So fortunately, she accepted, and yes, she is okay with touching meat, and quite possibly maybe okay with touching me as well, but that's definitely not in the job description. So to me, the big difference between an au pair and a nanny is that they're going to live in your house. They're going to be part of your family, and as a part of that, they get to spend a lot of time with you, and they see the way that you're interacting with your kids. So I found that the au pair becomes more of an extension of us. She mirrors almost everything that we do with the kids. She uses the same language that we use. It's been really easy for all of us to get on the same page as far as our expectations, as far as managing behavior, that sort of thing. It really feels like a team. And I know that some people with nannies also feel like that, but I think that when you're leaving every day when the nanny arrives and you're not spending a ton of time together, the three of you or the four of you or whatever it is, it gets to be a little bit more difficult to have that natural extension of your family. As a family, we're pretty much an open book. We don't have any big secrets. No one's having an affair. No one is secretly struggling with addiction. So we don't mind having another person around. We feel pretty open about sharing our lives, obviously, since, you know, I have this podcast. But I do think that's something important to consider before you bring another human into your house. So all in, would I recommend it? Yes, absolutely. I think that I was much more cautious and knew what to ask the second time around when we were interviewing for our second au pair. A few of the things that I didn't even think of when I was interviewing the first one was questions like, do you plan on doing online dating? Because apparently that is a big thing for au pairs. They come here and they do online dating with other young American guys. And while there's nothing wrong with that, I think it's definitely a normal part of being a young woman. I think that it also would make me really nervous if I knew she was going out with lots of different guys whom she didn't know and wasn't exercising caution, that sort of thing. Fortunately, we didn't have to deal with any of that with our au pair, but it was something that I wanted to be sure I discussed in advance with any potential new candidates as well. Similarly, with the idea of wanting to go out, to go into the city and go to clubs and stay out late and drink lots of alcohol, that sort of thing. I put a curfew on our profile saying that all the au pairs would have to be back by 10 p.m. during the week and midnight on the weekends, not because I intended to enforce that, but because I wanted to scare away anyone who had the intent of coming and partying and going a little bit crazy or a lot of bit crazy, either one. 
So yes, if it fits your needs, if you have an extra bedroom, if you're excited about giving your kids a cultural exchange of language and food and learning about another country, and if you're keen on developing a relationship with a young woman, which I love, I used to teach undergraduate courses and I love this age range. She's definitely helping to keep me young and relevant, making sure that I'm well-versed in proper emoji content. I've had people ask if it feels like I'm a mother figure, and no, definitely not. I think it feels more like an aunt if I had to describe it like anything. I don't feel like I have to clean up after her or I have to take care of her, but I do definitely worry about her happiness, and I worry about her being taken care of, and I worry about her being safe. So I have to say that there was an additional piece of my mental load that was brought on by bringing another person into my house, especially a young person who may be vulnerable to getting taken advantage of, who doesn't really know our way around, that sort of thing. And I will say that that's the part that I didn't expect. I didn't expect to be so worried and concerned about the well-being of another human. But I do think it's a natural part of developing a relationship with someone and having someone living with you. So there it is. That is our experience so far with the au pair program. And if you have more questions about it, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave those in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 150. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode and you enjoy Simple Families, I encourage you to leave a rating or review on iTunes. And there's still time to join in for the mental unload. Go to simplefamilies.com forward slash unload and join us.